Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Tommy Metter, lead pastor of Northwood Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, if you're listening today, I know exactly what you need. You need hope and encouragement. And my prayer is that the message you are about to hear will help you find hope and encouragement in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more about our church, visit our website, northwoodbaptist.com, or follow us on Facebook. Now, get ready for a message that will help you connect faith to life. Romans 12, verses 9 through 21 is where we'll spend our time together this morning. Romans 12, 9 through 21. If you're new to the Bible, Romans is not hard to find at all. Uh, just go to the New Testament and find the first gospel, Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then the book of Romans. A long letter written by the Apostle Paul, uh, Romans 12, 9 through 21. If you don't own a Bible, that's okay because in the seat before you in the book rack, you should find a copy of the Bible. Take that Bible in front of you. Uh, find Romans 12 with us. And if you don't own a Bible, take that Bible home with you and begin to read Read it and learn about the God who loves you and desires a relationship with you. Romans 12, 9 through 21. If you're new to Northwood, what we normally do is we normally go through books of the Bible. You remember last year we walked through several books of the Bible together. We ended last year walking through the book of Ruth together. And we're going to get back to a book of the Bible once we get through this series. We'll study Genesis uh, in, in 2021, which will take forever. It's going to be exciting. And so we'll do that in a few weeks. But, but in the meantime, man, when we started 2021, we were just convicted that, that man, there needs to be some change within us, that we live in this crazy world that it's so divided and so tense and so hostile. I mean, what would it look like? What would it look like if we as followers of Jesus got serious about living out the character of Christ, living out the fruit of the Spirit? And so we're taking some time uh, this, this uh, first part of the year, and really for me, it's hitting the reset button. I, I want to grow in this area. I want to be a person that's full of the fruit of the Spirit, and I, and I think that's what you want as well. And so we're just taking these few weeks to really dive into what it means to live out the fruit of the Spirit. So just to let you know, if you're new, that, that's where we are right now. Uh, so Romans 12 is where we're going to spend our time together this morning as we consider this character quality of peace. Uh, now, just as a way of announcement, some of you last year, it was this time that we were getting ready to go to Israel. February of 2020, we made that journey over there, and just in the nick of time, because as soon as we got back, they shut down the world, and so we were very fortunate to be able to go and enjoy that time together. Just to let you know, we're going to go again after COVID. Hopefully, that's going to be next year, and so, so we're planning a trip for March of 2022, and I would love for you to join me. We took about 35 people last time we went, and I hope we can take that many this time, and so just to let you know, go ahead and put that on your calendar and, and start saving your money, save the date, all those kinds of things. I'll have some more information for you, hopefully, in the next couple weeks weeks. I'm still working with a travel agent to get all the details uh, uh, figured out, but I'm looking forward to going back to Israel. And if you've been to Israel before, whether you went with me or some other time, I mean, it's an amazing place because it really does help you to get a, a different perspective of the Bible because you get to see where Jesus lived and where he walked and all those kinds of things. And, and one of my favorite spots, and I probably showed you this picture before, one of my favorite spots there is the, the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. And so this is a place where a tradition says that, that Jesus died and rose again. This church is built over uh, what they think would have been the site of Calvary. And so it's a very interesting place. And in fact, this church has been around for a long time. Constantine was the one who first had this church built in 335 AD. It's a long time ago. Now that, that original building, um, 
It was demolished. It was, I think there was an enemy army that came in, wiped it out, and say they rebuilt it. So this building is actually pretty new. Uh, It was built in 1098. So yeah, it's it's really new, right? And so it's wild because here's the spot where where many believe that Jesus was actually crucified and and then rose again three days later. And this is the, the most significant spot if you will, for those of us who are followers of Jesus. And so if you go to Israel, you obviously have to go to this particular spot. What's interesting is that this spot, and you probably heard me talk about this before, this spot is shared by six different Christian denominations. Can you imagine six different denominations in our church building? It'd be wild because I don't know about you, but I grew up as, as Baptist. I came from a traditional Baptist church, and we had enough problems on our own, much less invite some other denominations in, right? Like, I don't remember much from my childhood, but I do remember as a traditional Baptist growing up, what we did well was eat and fight. Those two things we were pretty good at. And so, so, so can you imagine, in one facility, six different churches meeting? So you have, you have Roman Catholic that has part of this space, uh, uh, Egyptian Coptic, uh, Orthodox, and there's several others as well. It, it's a crazy, crazy place. And so what's interesting is that you can feel it when you go here. If you've ever been to Jerusalem in particular, you you know, it's one of the most hotly contested places in the world, religiously speaking. Uh, You'll walk down the streets seeing Christian sites and and you have Jewish people passing you by. Then you hear the the call to prayer from the Muslim mosque. I mean, it's it's just a wild place. And then to go to this place where six different Christian denominations share it and you can just feel the tension inside. In fact, it's pretty common for arguments and fights to break out over the denominations in this place. They have, uh, you see this picture, next picture, right? Right here, this ladder, you, you might have seen this before. This ladder is called the immovable ladder because they put it there in 1760. You've got six denominations, and there's this thing called status quo. In other words, what happens at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, for anything to take place, any kind of building improvement or whatever, all six different denominations have to agree. Imagine that working out, right? And so, so here's the deal with the ladder. None of the denominations know how it got there. None of them will take responsibility for it, so none of them will do anything about it. And so for, for 360 years, I kid you not, this ladder has been there. And if you go with me next year in 2022, chances are they still won't have it figured out, and you'll get to see this ladder as well. It's wild, isn't it? Because here is the place. Here is the place where many believe Jesus was crucified and rose again. Here is the place where literally God brought peace to the world. But yet, in this place where God brought peace to the world, it's hard to find peace. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because you and I, I don't know for you, my story is I I grew up uh, in the church. I came to faith in Christ at a young age. And for some of you, that's your story as well. Some of you have been a Christian for 10 years, 5 years. But you've been around long enough, if you're a follower of Jesus, to see that Christians aren't always very peaceful people. We like to argue just like anybody else does. And you and I know this. I don't have to tell you this at all. We live in a world that is not peaceful. And if we as Christians can't get our act together and and live at peace with each other, uh, we certainly can't expect the world to live at peace, can we? But, But here's the deal. We're looking at this character quality of peace this morning. And Paul's gonna make a, a, a radical statement in Romans 12, verse 18. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, everyone, everyone. That, my friend, is a challenge. And that, my friend, seems quite impossible. 
But, but, but there's something that's taken place in your life and my life because we know peace, because we know the God of peace, because we walk in a relationship with the one who has made peace with us that should motivate us and compel us to live at peace with other people. In fact, you might know this. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, he said, blessed are the what, church? The peacemakers. We're pretty good at making war but not so good at making peace. And so here we are, and we're thinking about the fruit of the Spirit, and we've said several times now that ultimately Jesus is the fruit of the Spirit. He is the perfect embodiment of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He perfectly embodies those things for you. And aren't you thankful Jesus is peace for you? That at the cross, he extended peace to you. And now as a follower of Jesus, he expects you to imitate his character. And so how is it? How is it that we as his people can live at peace with God and live at peace with each other? And so what I want to do is look at this text this morning, and I I simply want to show you three truths that I think will help us as we strive to be a people who grow in peace and live at peace. Romans 12, 9 through 21. If you have that passage, go ahead and rise to your feet as we honor the reign of God's word together. Romans 12, 9 through 21. Paul writes, and he says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. And if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for time together in your word. Now, Father, as we study your word together, we're trusting that you're gonna speak to us in these moments and you're going to teach us how to be a people who long for peace, who want peace with you and want peace with each other. And Father, we know this world needs peace and we want to be peacemakers, ambassadors of your peace. And so, Father, as we listen to your word proclaimed this morning, we're trusting that your spirit's going to speak to us. Help us to listen carefully to what you're saying with hearts that are ready to submit to your will, to obey you, to surrender to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. So let's go ahead and, and put a definition on the table because Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 27, peace I leave with you, peace I give you. But it's not the same as the peace of this world. And so when we think about the Bible, when we think about Jesus, we think about the New Testament and the Old Testament for that matter, what is peace? In fact, if you do go to Israel with me in 2022, what you'll hear from, from, from Jews there when, you, when they greet you is this word shalom, shalom. We translate it in the Old Testament as, as peace. 
Shalom. People long for shalom, for peace. And so, so what is it? Now, if you study the Bible, here, here's what I think peace is. Peace is a settled assurance that all can be well with me because all is well with my soul. Make sense? That, that something has happened in, in your life if you're a follower of Jesus. When you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, believing that he died and rose again for you, you became at peace with God. God made peace with you through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And now because of that, because you are at peace with God, everything else in your life can be okay. It doesn't mean everything is okay. There are bad circumstances. There are tough things. There's cancer. There's sickness. There's COVID. But when you know the peace of God, right? Or or when you're at peace with God, you can experience the peace of God. We'll talk about that in a moment. And people who are at peace with God long to be at peace with others. That's the way it works. That's what you see when you look through scripture. And so so here's the first truth I, I want you to understand this morning before we dive into the text. And it's foundational. You can't live at peace with everyone. And that's what Paul calls us to do in Romans 12. You can't live at peace with everyone if you don't have peace with God. Makes sense, doesn't it? Because the most important relationship in your life is the relationship you have with God, right? And it's going to be awfully difficult for you to fix the horizontal relationships around you, your relationships with other people, if you first don't get the vertical relationship with God correct. So when you live at peace with God, it enables you to live at peace with other people. Now, here's the issue, and you've probably read Romans before. Romans reminds us that before we came to Christ, we were not at peace with God. In Romans chapter 3, Paul says what? That, that, that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us in this room, we have made ourselves enemies of God. Paul says that in Romans 5 verse 10. Every one of us, we went to war against God. By nature and by choice, we are sinners. And because of that, we deserve death. We deserve eternal death. But what we read in the book of Romans is that God loves us. God loves us so much. And what Romans 3.24 says is that because of his grace, he has given us the free gift of salvation through the atoning work of Jesus Christ. You went to war against God. You chose to sin against him. You chose to rebel against him. You chose to say to God, not your way, but my way. But that did not stop God from loving you. And that did not stop God from pursuing you. He pursued you with his peace. And so in Romans chapter five, verse one, a passage you might know well, you know what it says? Now that we are justified through faith, we have peace with God. Do you hear me? The God of all creation, the God who knows everything about you, the God who holds your life in his hands, the God who is absolutely just and perfect in every way and who has every right to send you and me to an eternal hell has chosen in his grace, his mercy and his love to make peace with you through his son's death and resurrection. And so if I know that because I'm good with God, I can be content no matter life's circumstances. So what? There are hard seasons in life. So what? There's COVID-19. So what? 
there's disease and sickness. So what? Those things are hard and those things are difficult. But, but, but I, I, I know that even those things happen. My life is in God's hands and I'm at peace with him. And when you experience peace with God, you can know the peace of God. And you know people like that. You know people that, that you've met who've gone through tremendous difficulty, who've gone through the cancer, who've gone through the sickness, who've gone through the divorce, who've gone through whatever. And in the midst of that, they exude peace. How? Because this is right. Their relationship with God is right. And and when you experience a right relationship with God, it gives you peace in all circumstances. Right? I mean, to daily experience peace, I have to look up more than I look out. And what I mean by that is, is, is now because you have peace with God, you can daily experience the peace of God. But that takes a choice on your part, does it not? A choice to simply look up. Look up by faith, knowing that I'm at peace with God. And because I'm at peace with God, I am assured that he loves me. I am assured that I'm right with him. I am assured that, that my life is in his hands and, and everything's going to be okay. I'm at peace with God. So the more I look up, the less significant all the stuff around me seems to be. The more I look up, the smaller COVID-19 looks. The more I look up, the smaller cancer looks. The more I look up, the smaller all these problems I'm experiencing look. Because the more I look up, the more I see and the more I am assured that the God of all creation loves me and desires good for me, that he is at work in my life for his glory and my good. The more you look around, the more you're gonna get discouraged. And the more you look around at your problems and let your problems grow in your life and you gain an unhealthy perspective of your problems, the more you're going to be robbed of your peace. But the more you look up, the more peace you experience daily. No wonder. No wonder Paul said in Philippians 4, which we looked at last year, remember? No wonder Paul said in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, don't worry. Take your anxieties to the Lord. Look up. Because when you do, you can, come on church, you know, you can have a peace that what? Passes all understanding. You can't explain it. You can't write a book about it, right? You can't articulate it. But some of you in this room, all of us probably who are followers of Jesus, we've experienced it. We've been in those moments where it didn't make any sense to have peace. Life was closing in around you. But you were able to say in that moment, It is well with my soul because you have the peace of God, that peace that passes all understanding, that peace that comes from knowing you are in right relationship with the God of all creation. When you know peace with God, you daily experience the peace of God. That's foundational. And this morning in this room, there are some of you I know that need to experience peace with God because I'm betting that in this room, there are some of us that if you look deep within, there is no peace. Your heart's in constant turmoil. You feel it. You feel that something's not right and you know that your relationship with God is not right. But today, if you'll believe that he died for you and rose again for you, today, if you'll believe and turn your life over to him, you can have peace. 
peace with God, which helps you to daily experience the peace of God. This is foundational, right? If I'm going to live at peace with everyone, it's first got to begin with peace with God. I don't know how many of you have been to Chicago O'Hare Airport before. Not my favorite place to go. Some of you know that my dad's from Illinois, and so growing up, we would fly back and forth to Illinois a bit. And so I've been through the Chicago Airport uh, like several times over the course of my life, and it's a busy place, much like the Atlanta Airport. You go there, it's wild, people everywhere. So, so a few weeks ago, actually more than that, back in October, there was a man who flew from Los Angeles to uh, Chicago. And I don't know the whole story. I tried to find out more information. I just couldn't because it's a, it's a wild story. He got on a plane from Los Angeles in October and flew to Chicago. Don't know why. He was petrified of COVID-19. Didn't want to catch it. And so if you're scared of COVID-19, there are two places that are safe to be. Locked up in your room, right? Or airport terminal. Because after all, you go through security, they, they, they do your, check your COVID testing, I guess, and whatever the case may be. And so, so here's what the guy did. It's, it's like the movie Terminal. You remember that movie? There was a terrible movie with Tom Hanks, but that's another story for another day. But he, here he is. He was arrested in the terminal, the restricted area in Chicago, just last week. And so he lived in the airport terminal. He could have picked a better airport terminal, but he didn't, obviously. He lived in the airport terminal from October until last week because he was scared of COVID-19. I don't know about you, but I'm more scared of the Chicago airport than I am of COVID-19. But can you imagine? I mean, one, how, how do you do it? How do you live in the airport for that long? And two, how does it take so long for them to figure out you ain't supposed to be there? I mean, that's, that's pretty scary in and of itself but all because he was fearful, because he lacked what? Peace. Peace. But my friend, I know this to be true, and you know it to be true as well, that when you have peace with God, you experience the peace of God. It doesn't take away all the bad circumstances. It doesn't take away all the challenges. It doesn't take away the difficulties, but you know that no matter what comes your way, all is well with you because all is well with your soul. It's foundational. So you can't live at peace with everyone if you don't have peace with God, but you can't live at peace with everyone. Now watch this. This is where you got to come in close and, and listen carefully. If you don't want peace, because here's why I know. Here's why I know. I can go around this room this morning and I can take a survey. If we had the time, we would do it. I can ask every one of you, do you want peace with God? And even if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, I bet you, I bet you that 100% of the people in this room and even the people watching online, 100% of you would say, yep, I want peace with God. That sounds good. I want peace with God. Who doesn't want peace with God? I know that to be true about you. You want peace with God and you want to experience his daily peace. None of us don't want that. But I tell you what you don't want all the time. I tell you what I don't want all the time. Peace with others. I want peace with God. That sounds really good. God, give me peace so I don't have to fear when I walk through the valley, a shadow of death. Give me peace so I, I don't have to give in to anxiety and worry all the time. Give me peace. I want that. Peace with others? Peace with everyone? I mean, that's a whole different story, is it not? And can I tell you something? I'll tell you why you and I don't want peace with everyone. You know why? This is good. It costs too much. You understand? Peace with people costs you something. It costs too much. It cost Jesus, did it not? 
for Jesus to give us peace? It cost him his very life, death on a cruel, rugged cross. And if you want to live at peace with people, it costs you as well. Think about it. Come back to Romans chapter 12 and look at it with me. So, so this is an interesting passage because in, in Romans chapter 12, Paul is, is writing to believers and he's been telling them for the first 11 chapters how great the salvation of God through Christ Jesus our Lord really is. It's really heavy. It's really theological. It's a fascinating read. And then you come to chapter 12 and he says, okay, in light of everything I told you, here's how you're supposed to live. He talks about, for example, in, in, in verse 1 through 3, living our lives as a sacrifice before God. He talks about the body of Christ and living inside the body of Christ. You come to verse 9 uh, down through 13 or so. He's talking about living in relationship with each other as followers of Jesus. And he says things like, let love be without hypocrisy, detest evil, cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice. Come down to verse 13. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. I'll stop right there for a moment. This is where it starts to get costly. Peace is costly. Because here's why I know. In this room, there are three types of people. Some of you are fighters. You know who you are. Don't raise your hand. I don't want to know who you are. So some, but some of you are fighters. Somebody hacks you off, you're ready to fight. You're ready to tell that person off. You're ready to give your opinion. You're ready to whatever. Some of you are fighters. Some of you are avoiders. You'll do everything you can to stay away from conflicting situations. And very few of us are peacemakers because it costs too much. When I was in seminary, and I might have told you this story before, when I was in seminary, I was... Um, I was in a class, it was a, a church evangelism class, and I sat up close to the front, and, and I met a guy in the class, he sat next to me, and we kind of hit off and had a conversation one day, and, and I was looking for a, a student minister to come serve at my church. I was pastor of a small church and, um, uh, a few miles from the seminary, and I was looking for a student pastor to come and serve along with me. So we got talking, and my man, would you be interested in, in you know, working with me? And so we talked a lot about it, we went to lunch and had a conversation about it, and so every class we were kind of talking about plans, like what would it look like for you to come and serve with us? And so we were talking about one day in class, and, and behind me uh, was a young lady, and, 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 and she overheard the conversation one day in class. And so, and so she said, you know, kind of butted into the conversation, I, I might be interested in that job. Can, 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 can I apply for that job? And I was like, well, I'm kind of talking to this guy right now. I really like him. And, and, and so I said to her, but maybe you'd be interested in serving as our church secretary. <laughs> I didn't know that was a bad thing. I was offering somebody a job. I mean, that's pretty good, right? And she said, I will talk to you after class. She's interested. Good deal. And so, so throughout the course of the class, I looked back at her a couple of times and said, hey, I think it'd be cool. You came in with our secretary. It'd be a lot of fun, right? And so kind of being jovial with her. And at the end of class, she got me into a corner of the room and she was a fighter. Boy, she laid into me and told me what a sexist man I was. I learned something that day. I learned that she was a fighter. And I also learned that I was an avoider. Because the next class period, I sat on the other side of the room. (laughs) And then every time I saw her on campus from that day forward, I went the other direction. Right? She was a fighter. And I was a avoider. And at that point, neither one of us wanted to make peace. You see what I'm saying? And that's for all of us. 
We're either fighters or avoiders, and not many of us are peacemakers. Why? Because it costs too much. It will cost you. Now watch this. It will cost you your stuff sometimes. When, when Paul writes, he's saying to these believers, share. Share your stuff with others, right? I mean, show hospitality. Have people in your home. And sometimes that's what it takes to live at peace with other people. It's just opening up your life and saying, what I have, I'm open-handed. What I have, I'm going to use for the sake of the Lord. If that means you come in and you are in my home and I, I gift you, I share a meal with you for the sake of peace, to open up a door for me to have a conversation with you about the Prince of Peace, that's what I'm going to do, right? Or think about this. Peace will sometimes cost you your comfort because look at this. You come down and look what it says in verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And let's just be honest, that ain't comfortable. When you have an enemy that's coming after you, that's talking poorly about you, that's putting you down, that's hurting you, bless them. I mean, that goes against the grain of who we are. When someone persecutes us, we want to get away or we want to fight. We don't want to bless But when you bless that person who persecutes you, what does it do? It hopefully, in God's time and in God's way, will open up a door to talk about the Prince of Peace. And so Paul says, listen, it costs you sometimes. Peace will cost you your comfort, but it will also cost you, oh, this is good. It will cost you emotionally. Look what it says in verse 15. You come down, you look at chapter 12, verse 15. Paul says this, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Let's just be honest. I don't want to rejoice with everyone because there are some people that seem to get everything they want all the time. There are some people that it seems like life always works out with them. And to be honest with you, I'm a little jealous of them. I'm envious. I don't want to rejoice with everyone. There are some people I I want them to see have a little bad luck every now and then. There are some people, right? I want to see a little harm come their way. Rejoice with everyone? Are you kidding me? But when you rejoice with everyone, even people you don't agree with, if you rejoice with them, how might God use that as a bridge to open up an opportunity for a relationship where you can talk about the gospel? Or think about this. Weep with those who weep. Now, sometimes I want to rejoice over those who are weeping because sometimes I like it when people get what they've got coming to them, right? What Paul's saying here, listen, if you want to live at peace, it's going to cost you emotionally. Because you've got to learn how to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You've got to be a little empathetic towards people, right? Or think about this. You know this. Peace will cost you your pride. Look at what it says. You come down and you see what Paul says in, in um, verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be what? Proud. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. And here we are. Let's be honest. This keeps us from living at peace sometimes because we always want to be what? Right. I know what I'm talking about. I'm right. But peace sometimes costs you admitting that you're not always right. And peace costs you sometimes laying down your pride and humbling yourself before others for the sake of the gospel. And so sometimes peace will cost you your pride. And sometimes peace will cost you your opinions. Because let's be honest, you all got some. I got some too. And do we not like sharing our opinions? Look what it says in verse 16. You come down and he says in verse 16, do not be wise in your own estimation. Because here's what happens. There are those of us in this room that think we got life figured out. And we want people to know we got life figured out. And we'll say things like, if you'll do life my way, if you'll see it from my perspective, if you'll do things the way I think you should do them, you'll go well with you. 
But sometimes peace will cost you your opinions because you don't have life figured out. You're not always right. Some of your views are wrong. I know that's a a shocker to you, but it's true. And so sometimes peace will cost you your opinion, and sometimes peace will cost you your desire to get even. Look at what it says. You come down. He makes a statement. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, because that's what we want to do. When somebody comes at us, when somebody hurts us, we want to see them hurt in return. Paul says, don't repay evil for evil. Instead, give careful thought to do what is honorable. If possible, live at peace with everyone. Leave room for God's wrath. Vengeance belongs to him. And we'll come back to that in a moment. But you see what Paul's saying here, don't you? He's saying peace is going to cost you. It's not easy to live at peace because it costs you your stuff. It costs you your comfort. It costs you emotionally. It costs you your pride. It costs you your opinions. And it costs you your desire to get even. And so here we are in this room. And here's what I know. Because I know it's true in my life sometimes as well. I'm not willing to pay the price for peace because my pride is too great. My opinions are too strong. I love my comfort. You see what I'm saying? And I bet you this morning there are those of us in this room who are in relationships that are going south because we're not willing to pay the price for peace. Because we're stubborn, because we're obstinate, and because we're not open to the Spirit's work within us. And yet we say that we serve the God of peace. And we say that the peacemakers are the ones who are blessed. Listen, my friend, Jesus Christ, the God of all creation, has made peace with you. That in and of itself should be motivation enough for me and for you to desire that everyone, everyone experience peace. How can you not want your neighbor to experience peace? How can you not want your friend to experience peace? How can you not want that person who has done you wrong to experience the peace of, is there really anybody? Can you think of anybody that you really want to see go to hell? No. And if that's true, if that's true, if there's not one person that you can think of that you would like to see go to hell, maybe you should start practicing peace. Because if you practice peace, I'm just telling you, it's going to open up some opportunities for you to share the gospel that, might, that God might use to save someone's life. You see? You can't live at peace with everyone if you don't want peace. And some of us don't want peace this morning because the price is too high for us. But let me show you something else when we'll we're done. You can't live at peace with everyone if you don't pursue peace. You've got to want it, and you've got to pursue it. You see? You've got to want it, And you got to pursue it. Notice again what Paul says. And I want to camp out here for just a moment. Paul says in Romans 12, verse 18, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If possible, can we just be honest? It's not always possible. It's not. Now, as far as it depends on you, we've got to do everything we can to live at peace, to promote peace, uh, to, to be peacemakers. But sometimes it's not possible. For example, some of us have been there. Some of us have been in abusive relationships. It's not possible. There are some people that are so hard in sin that if you stay in that relationship, it will affect you. You'll be hurt because of it physically. It's not possible. 
doesn't mean you don't pray for that person or you don't want the best of that person. You put that person in God's hands. But in that moment, it's not possible. And staying in that kind of situation actually does what? Enables that person to further sin. And so the wisest thing to do is to remove yourself from that situation. Sometimes that is the best course of action, but it takes a lot of prayer, a lot of sermon, a lot of wisdom, a lot of help from people who love you and support you to know how to proceed in those kinds of situations, if possible. Sometimes it's not possible. Let's just be honest. But as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In other words, do all you can in the power of the Spirit, trusting God as you strive to live at peace. So that means what? It means several things, right? It means you pray for peace. That's so simple, isn't it? Pray for peace. You got up to come hear that, right? But, but let's be honest. We skip it all the time. That there are people that you're at war with right now that you've stopped praying for because your heart is so bitter towards them. What have you started? I'll tell you this, if you start praying for that person that you're so angry with, you start praying for that person, it might not change that person. It'll change you though. It'll change your attitude and perspective. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 44, to do what? Pray for your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray. Or, or don't say everything you're thinking. Oh, can you imagine that? Because I know what happens in your life because it happens in mine. There, there's something that happens that, that when a thought comes to my head, if I don't get it out of my mouth, my head really will explode. And so I got to say it, right? No, I don't. And a lot of the conflict you find yourself in is simply a result of you not being able to keep your mouth shut. Amen? In fact, there's a great proverb. In Proverb 10, 19, Solomon, so wise, he said this, With an abundance of words comes an abundance of sin. The more you talk, the more you're going to get yourself in trouble. And so learning how to use your words in a way that blasts and encourages, you really don't have to say everything you're thinking. Or think about this. Regularly ask, is it worth it? That's a great question for you to ask on a regular basis when it comes to your relationships and living at peace. That bitterness that you're holding on to against that person who wrongs you, is it worth it? That anger that, that, that keeps stirring up in you, is it worth it? That unforgiving heart where you refuse to forgive someone who's wronged you, is it worth it? If you're like me, you'd probably say, no, it's really not. But, but on the flip side, making the effort to make peace, is it worth it? Absolutely. Rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. If it opens up a door for a gospel conversation, is it worth it? Absolutely. Blessing those who persecute you. If it helps to build a relationship that leads to a gospel conversation, is it worth it? Absolutely. And so just regularly asking yourself, is it worth it? Is it worth it to pursue peace? Is it worth it to live in bitterness? And just letting that question resonate in your mind, I think will help you make some wise decisions in your relationships with other people. Or think about this, don't make personal conflict public. Amen? Because here's the deal. You want to get even with that person who hurts you. And sometimes the best way you can think of to get even with somebody who hurts you is to what? Tear them down in public. You won't believe how bad my ex-husband is. He probably was, but you don't need to tell us that. You, You understand? You won't believe how bad my coworker treated me because every time you do that, you know what you're doing? Every time you do that, you are, are causing us the people you're gossiping to, 
to have a negative opinion about that. And that, that's your goal. You want me to think poorly of him. But, but that's wrong. You understand? I need to form my own opinions based on my relationship, not your relationship. You see? And so, so just understanding that what Jesus says is that when you've got a problem with somebody, you take it to them first. You figure it out. And then there's steps beyond that. I know, but, but what some of us are guilty of this morning is downright slander because we can't keep our mouths shut about the people who hurt us. Or think about this. Oh, this is so good. Don't sit in the judge's seat. There's one judge and ain't you. It's, it's God himself. And look again. Paul says, leave room for God's wrath. Do not avenge yourselves. It's written, vengeance belongs to me. God will repay. Can I tell you something? You're a terrible judge because you're not impartial. You're not loving when you judge. And, and you're not a very intellectual judge. You don't know everything. And can I tell you something? God's throne, where he sits and reigns and rules. Now listen to me very carefully. Get this. This will blow your mind. God's throne is far too big for you. It's far too, you're too small for it. There is one judge who knows how to judge rightly and it ain't you, it's him. And so don't sit on his throne. Don't sit on his throne and cast judgment. Instead, you do what God has called you to do, which is amazing. God says, Paul says, inspired by the spirit, instead of sitting on the judge's seat, leave all that to God. And instead, overcome evil with good. You were here, I wasn't. I didn't live in the area at the time, but you were here Uh, several years ago when something happened in our city that caught the national attention, a tragic event when a racist man walked into a church and killed nine people. We have an officer in our church who was there. It, It shook the city. It shook the nation. I wasn't here, but I remember seeing it. And I remember sitting in in a room and watching the television when those families of those victims were there and they looked to a television screen and they saw Dylan Roof sitting there and they, do you remember? They each got up and began to speak to him. And I remember a husband going to the screen and talking to Dylan Roof. His wife had been murdered by this man. Can you imagine coming face to face with the one who had killed your spouse. And you know, you you remember the story. He said this to Dylan Roof, I forgive you, son. My family forgives you. But we would like you to take this opportunity to repent. Repent, confess, give your life to the one who matters most, Jesus Christ, so that he can change it and change your attitude. Peace. The the man had killed his wife and and the response was what? Gospel. I forgive you. And there's a God who will forgive you. And we all watched because, because that scene on that day when person after person stood up and said to Dylan Roof, I forgive you. That resonated across our nation. And we were all saying to each other, how? How? Because there's a peace that passes all understanding. And then several years later, that same gentleman, he was asked, you remember what you said to Dylan Roof? You regret it? I mean, your wife's gone. She's dead. You'll never get her back. 
you could say it differently today, how would you say it? And four years later, he said this. My answer is always the same. I chose to forgive the racist killer because I believe and trust God's word when he tells me that vengeance is his to repay, not mine. I need not avenge the vile deeds of Dylan's roof myself. It is God's to avenge. He will repay. Scripture promises me. A beautiful example of one who overcame evil with good. And if you think about it, when Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, my friend, on that day, when he breathed his last breath, when he looked out at the people who were there and he said to his father, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. On that day, when he breathed his last breath after being beaten mercilessly and after being put to a cross and nails going through his hands, bleeding and dying for you and for me, in that moment, he overcame all evil with good, sacrificing himself for you and me. And he defeated all evil as he walked forth from a grave three days later. The God of all creation has overcome evil, your evil, through the blood of his son, so that you and I can live at peace with him. Who are we to refuse peace to anyone? Who are we to withhold forgiveness? Who are we to keep saying everything we're thinking and to sit on God's seat like we know what we're talking about. Who are we? And here's what I know. What I know are two things. One, this world desperately needs peace right now. And that peace only comes through God. And that peace of God comes through his church. You and me who take the calling of God on our lives seriously and begin being ambassadors of peace. And the longer you live in in broken relationships where you refuse to express the peace of God, the more you hinder the work of his kingdom. Here's what I also know. There are people in this room this morning that need to experience peace with God. And you know it. There's someone sitting in this room. There's someone watching online that you know it that all is not well with your soul. That if you were to die today, you would slip into a Christless eternity because you're not at peace. Can I tell you something? There's such amazing news for you today. That can change right now. That can change right now. In fact, right now, we're going to bow our heads and close our eyes. We're going to pray together. And right now, right now, you're going to make a decision. You're going to make a decision to trust that Jesus Christ is who he said he is. He is God who came to rescue from your sins and give you peace with him. And right now, you're going to pray, God, I want to give my life to you. And we're going to pray together. And after we pray, you're going to get up and you're going to walk to the corners of this room where you'll find a cross. And you're going to go to that cross and there's going to be someone there who's ready to meet you and ready to help you today to experience peace with God. And I'm just going to tell you what's going to happen right now as you get up and move that cross. That peace with God is going to begin to translate into the peace of God. You are going to be overwhelmed by this immeasurable peace that's going to transform everything about you. 
And God is going to begin to grow you and make you into the man, the woman that he's called you to be. And you're going to become a peacemaker. But it begins with you. It begins with someone in this room who's not at peace, finally coming to peace today. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith, to be bold, to get up, go to one of these crosses, and today give your life to the Prince of Peace. And I'm going to ask for those of you who are followers of Jesus in this room to ask God to help you, to help you to have a vision for his kingdom and the kind of life that he's called you to live as a peacemaker. I'm going to ask him, I want you to ask him today to help you to be a person of peace for the sake of his kingdom and for the sake of his gospel. As the Spirit leads you this morning, you respond. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for time together in your word. Father, in this room right now, there's someone who needs to begin a relationship with you. I pray that person will come trusting you as Lord this morning. Father, I pray for this faith family. Father, we want to be the church in North Charleston that resonates throughout this community the peace of God because we see it every day. We see it across the street in the apartments. We see it down the street at the bus stop. We see it over the Northwood Mall. We see it all around us. There's a lack of peace. But right here on Green Ridge Road, there's a place of peace. There's a church with people who are full of the peace of God. We want to leave this place today taking the peace of God to every person in this community for the sake of the gospel. And so, Father, you do what you need to do in us to make us into people of peace. And ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You rise your feet as we sing together. You come as the Lord leads you today. Right now, someone go to that cross and give your life to Jesus this morning.